day. Um, can I get somebody to help me pass these out? We've got some journals back there. If you're a dad, go ahead and stand up. Just a real simple journal for you guys to write in. I know men can use some encouragement in articulating their feelings and prayers to God. And, and journaling has been something that I've uh, particularly benefited much from writing down praise, scripture, writing down prayers, writing down struggles, and just expressing to God in journal writing uh, my heart. With the passage we're going to look at today, we, we wouldn't have if David didn't take the time to, to write those things down with, in his history with God. Uh, let me just say this about fathers. Happy Father's Day to all you dads. Being a father is one of the greatest joys and one of the greatest challenges that we, we have. As dads, we are given the great responsibility to reflect God to our children. We're given the great responsibility to reflect what the Heavenly Father is like to our children. And if you've been a father for any amount of time, you've probably felt the pressure. You've probably felt some failure where you've blown it as a dad, where maybe you got impatient or maybe you, you didn't, you didn't reflect God the Father like you know you should. And so I, I want to encourage dads today. And let me just read this, just which highlights, I think, the important role that a, a supportive father plays in the life of every every child. There's a guy named Henry Cloud. Dr. Henry Cloud says this. There's something about knowing that a father loves us and can empower and inspire us to the next level. I remember one study on the brains of gifted math students who in time math competition had their brains hooked up to brain scans. There were two groups. One had a supportive father and one had a critical non-supportive father. When the father's name was subliminally flashed on the screen during the competition, the brains of the one who had supportive fathers spiked to higher performance, while the non-supportive father group experienced brain shutdown when their father's name came up. A father's love and encouragement have real impact on life performance. At being a pastor for over 10 years, I've seen that one of the deepest wounds that many people have is the wounds around a father, either not being there or um, some kind of disappointment. Um, I was a juvenile correctional officer for for a season of life and a, and a volunteer in the juvenile detention center for six years. And I would go in there every Sunday night. And one of the common themes among those in the juvenile correction uh, facilities were they had broken relationships with dad. Dad wasn't there or um, dad was there and he was harsh and he was a abusive. And then uh, I, was, I was a youth pastor. I was helping with youth and children's ministry and inner city ministry. And that was a common thing that we would see come up in East Dallas with, with the youth that we were working with was, was dad wasn't there, wasn't present, uh, or dad was using drugs and selling drugs, right? And so I remember one time, this was one of the most powerful moments that I experienced as a children's minister uh, when I was in that season of life. Um, our team fasted and we prayed for these children. And we, we decided we're going to pray every single day for the kids. And, and this, this upcoming Friday that was coming up when we had this service, we're going to talk about the love of the father. 
and we're going to pray that God would bring healing to these young people. And, and God showed up so powerfully that night, Friday night, and the room was filled. There's a room about this, this size with kids, and every one of those kids were teary-eyed, just receiving healing about hearing about the Heavenly Father who's good and loving and gracious. You know, myself, some of the deepest wounds I've experienced in life have to do around um, my father or my lack, my lack of father being present. When I was 15 years old, my father was burnt in a house fire and he died. And I remember I have some, some pleasant memories with my dad and I have some really painful memories with my dad when I reflect on that. And so I know that as as a human being, we tend to project on God what we think he's like based on the image that we've seen in our earthly father, whether consciously or subconsciously. We, we tend to do that. We tend to relate to God, our heavenly father, in ways that we may have related with our earthly fathers. And so this morning, I want to do a standalone sermon. I want to look at Psalm 103, and I would like for us to get a clear glimpse of who our good, good father is and receive healing for our hearts and our souls as we behold him and be ignited to love and serve and worship him. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Psalm 103. There's been many times where I've wept around this issue of not having dad around or um, <clears throat> or feeling like I disappointed God. And God was faithful to send other godly men in my life as mentors. Um, one of them's here today, Dick Wakeman, who has been a key man in my life. Um, Brad Weir, who's the pastor at City Church International. Jack Giggle, who we have um, his granddaughter here today, has also been a mentor in my life. And, and God has been kind to me in sending godly men to encourage me and point me to the Heavenly Father. And for me, that's one of the things that's been healing in my life. One, getting a clear view of who God is, but then also seeing God in other men who reflect Him well. Okay? And so David had a good, clear view of who God is. A.W. Tozer says in his book on the, on the attributes of God, it's called The Knowledge of the Holy. He says, what comes to, what comes into our mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. And so I want to ask you today, before we go any further, if, if somebody were to come up to you on the street, somebody who's hungry to learn about God and they perceive you're a Christian and they say, what is God like? What would be the first thing you tell them? How would you describe God to this person to ask you, what is God like? What are some words you would use? Go ahead and say them. Merciful. Merciful. Forgiving. Near. Near. Sovereign, loving, extravagant. These are good words. Anything else? Faithful. Faithful. What's that? Perfect. Amen. Perfect. That's right. There's only one perfect father. You know, even if you grew up with an amazing dad who always prayed for you and always talked to you about Jesus and pointed you to Jesus and modeled godliness, you're still going to have seen some failures in 
his life, right? Because there's only one perfect father. Amen? Chip Ingram says this in his book, um, God as he longs for you to see him. Your view of God is at the core of all relationships, every decision, and you're experiencing the very best from him. And you experiencing the very best from him. Your view of God is at the core of all relationships, every decision, and you experiencing the very best from him. Our view of God is really important. A.W. Tozer goes on to say this in, in, in the knowledge of the holy. He says, we tend by a secret law of the soul to move toward our mental image of God. This is true not only in the individual Christian, but of the company of Christians that composes the church. Always the most revealing thing about the church is her idea of God. So let's go ahead and look at Psalm 103. David celebrates the goodness of God, the mercy of God, the steadfast love of God. And we're going to start in verse 1. Bless the Lord, O my soul. In all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquity. Who heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from the pit. Who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. Who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagle's. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses and his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. There's our Father's Day verse. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like the flower of the field. The wind passes over it and it is gone and its place is no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children and to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. The Lord has established his throne in heaven in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, O you his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all you his hosts, his ministers who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. So here's our big idea. This is where we're going from going in this text is that the Lord is gracious and compassionate, just, and in charge, and he deals kindly with us. The Lord is gracious, compassionate, just, and in charge, and he deals kindly 
with us. Okay, let's look at these first two verses. David starts off preaching to himself, saying this. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Or the NIV says, praise the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. And forget not his benefits. Bless his holy name and forget not his benefits. There is a time for us to preach to ourselves and tell ourselves to praise the Lord. Charles Spurgeon said to preach the gospel to yourself. We're to remind ourselves of the goodness of God and tell ourselves to praise God and don't forget all his benefits. Those of you who uh, recently got a new job or were looking for a job, I'm sure one of the things you considered in taking that job is what are the benefits, right? What Do you guys have a benefits package? Is there health care included? How many days of vacation do we get, right? There are numerous benefits, blessings that come with having a relationship with God. And David tells his soul, don't forget All those benefits that you have. Oh, my soul. He's preaching to himself. He's calling himself to praise God. There's times when we don't feel like praising God. And the psalmist preaches to himself in Psalm 42. Oh, my soul. Why are you cast down? Put your hope in God. There's a time to preach to ourselves and tell ourselves, praise God. Whether, Whether times are going great for you or whether you're in a really difficult season. Praise God, oh my soul, and forget not all his benefits. David is calling himself to rise up from within and bless God, the God who has breathed life into all of humanity. Remember back in Genesis from the very beginning, God breathed into Adam and he gave him life. And we have life and breath because the living God, the Almighty, has given us that breath. He's given us that life and he can take it away. And he's given us life. And when we praise him, when we sing to him and we bless his name, we are breathing back that very breath towards him in praise and adoration to the one who is the giver and the sustainer of our lives. And he is worth it. There's a, there's a disease I think we all tend to have. And it's called spiritual amnesia. Spiritual amnesia or all amnesia as one author calls it. Paul Tripp in his book, All. All amnesia. the, The children of Israel had this. Okay, God delivered them. God provided for them. They were slaves in Egypt. God brought them through and and just provided and was kind to them and gracious to them. And yet they forgot the great things that the Lord had done for them. So the book of Deuteronomy, one of the themes in the book of Deuteronomy is remember the Lord your God. Don't forget the Lord your God. God says in Deuteronomy 8, I brought you into the wilderness and I led you this way and I fed you that you might not forget, that you might remember the Lord your God and not forget him and know that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And so we have this tendency to forget the good things that God has done. Dads, that's why you have a journal here as a gift today. So you can write those things down, take account of those good things that God has done in your life. Remember the blessings of God, praise him for his goodness. Now let's list some of the things here. Let's look at the list that David gives us of benefits of having a relationship with God. Forgiveness of your sins. 
Now, this, it's easy just to pass right over this, but this is massive. This is huge. To know that your sins are forgiven and removed as far as the east is from the west. To know when you stand before the judge, he says, I don't have any record here of, of your, uh, your offense. You're, you're, you're free to go. You're forgiven of your, your debt, right? This is huge. And this was a truth that David celebrated in the Old Testament and that we have even more insight in the New Testament and reason to celebrate in the New Testament because we are forgiven. Why? Why are we forgiven? Through, through what? Through the blood of Jesus Christ, the perfect sacrifice of the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And God, from the Old Testament to the New, to, to, to this day, to presently, He is still a God who forgives sins. He's a God who cast our sins as far as the east is from the west. And I remember the moment I first experienced the forgiveness and the cleansing of God, December 12th, 1998. And let me tell you what it felt like. It felt like a backpack of bricks was taken off of me. A weight of guilt and shame and pain and brokenness that I was carrying around because of my sins and things done to me and experiences that I've had. And I just, I needed forgiveness. And cleansing. And when I put my trust in Jesus Christ as my Savior and as my Lord, it was like I was free. That weight was lifted and I began to sing and speak and talk about Jesus so passionately. And I just haven't been able to be quiet ever since. That's why I'm a preacher, right? Because I'm going to tell everyone how good God is. And one of the ways he displays his goodness is the forgiveness of sins that he offers through his son, Jesus Christ. David had some sins to, to be forgiven of, didn't he? Some, some pretty big ones. Adultery, murder, covering up that adultery and murder. That's, that's a pretty big sin, right? And yet God was merciful and gracious to him and cast his sins as far as the east is from the west. Healing. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. And, and forget not all his benefits. He forgives all your iniquities or sins. He heals all your diseases. You see, in the, the Old Testament, there was a close connection between sins and, and sickness. Okay, When the Israelites sinned against God, one of the things that happened was, you know, like they would get a snake bite or they would get some kind of disease or some something bad would happen to them. And God says in Exodus fifteen twenty six that he is the Lord who heals. Jehovah Rapha, he's the one who heals your diseases. That's who he is. Now, I do want to qualify that not all sickness is a result of your own personal sin. Jesus made that clear when the disciples were like, who sinned? Was it this guy or was this his parents? And Jesus is like, neither. All right, guys. But God is a healer. He heals diseases. He heals sicknesses. He did it in the Old Testament. He did it in the New Testament. And you know what? He still does it today. He still heals people today. Now, some theologians will only take this metaphorically, speaking of like diseases of the soul, like, you know, the sin and the brokenness within you. That's true. But I say that's also true physically. God still heals today. We still see his healing power today. Yet we don't see everything healed in in every in every believer, every Christian, not every believer experiences complete healing in this life. But you know what we're promised, church? That we're one day going to experience a new heavens and a new earth where there's no more sickness 
and no more pain, no more sorrow, no more injustice, no more war. We're going to experience the ultimate healing when Jesus Christ returns. Redemption. He says he redeems my life from the pit. I believe he's referring to death. Six feet in the ground. Okay, a, a, a pit. He redeems my life from the pit. David experienced many experiences where he was almost killed by an army, uh, by people out to get him. And he cried out to the Lord or he was fast. He was sneaky. He was trusting God and God just shielded him and protected him and delivered him from premature death. God had a plan for him and sustained his life. He redeems, he crowns me with loving kindness, that, which speaks of enrichment. He enriches my life with steadfast love and mercy. If you're a child of God, these are, these are things that are especially true for you. Okay, and I'll, and I'll get to this because I'll get, mention this later, but this, this, this applies specifically to those who are in a relationship with God, a covenant relationship with God, or as this psalm says, those who fear the Lord. Three times mentions those who fear the Lord. Okay, these are benefits, these are blessings that come with knowing God. He satisfies you with good things. I see somebody drinking coffee right now. Coffee's a good thing. Right? If you had breakfast this morning, you were able to experience a little taste of goodness that God gives us. He opens his hand and he satisfies the desire of every living thing. You know, I read a stat yesterday that was surprising to me that over half the world lives off of five or under five dollars and fifty cents a day. Over half the world. I mean, you can go to Starbucks and spend that in a moment, right? Or just drive to a friend's house and spend that in gas, right? And so God has been very gracious with us in many ways, okay? Every blessing that you have is a good gift from the hand of God. He also renews your youth like the eagles. All the more seasoned saints in the house today say amen to that. He renewed. We got Dick Wakeman here. Dick Wakeman, dear friend of mine. Dick, how, you're 78, right? 80, 89? No, I'm just kidding. 79, 79, 79. And this guy is so resilient, so um, tenacious and has, I mean, I was actually thinking about this, like he embodies this right here, this truth right here. He renews your strength like the eagles. Like even in at, at 79, this guy's riding his bike around White Rock Lake and doing all this ministry stuff. He has a goal to disciple uh one disciple maker a year until he reaches a hundred. He's asked the Lord to make it to a hundred. And then he's committed to, to making one disciple maker a year until he goes home to glory. So God, he renews your youth like the eagles. Eagles embody um, vitality and strength. And, and they have this process called molting where their, their feathers are renewed. Uh, I, I think once in a lifetime they get new feathers if I'm not mistaken. And, and Isaiah speaks of this, that God will renew your strength like the eagles. Those who wait on the Lord, he shall renew their strength like the eagles. They will run and not grow weary and walk and not faint. And this is what it looks like to walk with God because he's our strength. He's our life. He's the length of our days. He's the one who enriches our life with goodness and mercy that just chases us down all the days of our life. Amen. 
So there are great benefits to having a relationship with God. We want these benefits, but even more than just these things, we want God himself. We don't want to just know his deeds and the way he blesses. We want to know the heart of the blesser, the heart of the giver. We we don't just want the good gifts. We want to know the good one, the good, good father. And that's what David goes into next in Psalm 103. And I should have got here sooner. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful, gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. That is your God, church. That's who he is. That's like the John 3.16 of the Old Testament. The John 3.16 of the Old Testament. This was huge. This was first mentioned in Exodus 34.6 when Moses says, I want to see your glory. Show me your glory. Now, he's, he's already seen some glory, right? He's seen plagues on Egypt. He's seen a mighty deliverance through the Red Sea on dry ground. He's already seen some significant acts or deeds of the Lord, blessings of the Lord. But Moses is like, I know there's more. I want to see, I want to know you, the one who's doing all this amazing stuff. I want to know your heart. And God says, okay. And he puts him in the cleft of the rock and he passes by and he lets Moses get a little glimpse of him. And he proclaims his name to Moses. And, and this is how God describes himself. He goes by Moses and he says, I'm the Lord gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. Okay, this is a direct quote, and, it, and it's, it, there's a little bit more added on there. But this is quoted in several other Psalms, in Psalm 86, Psalm 145. It's also quoted in uh, Jonah, Jonah, or Joel, Joel 2, Jonah 4, 2. Uh, Jonah's like, God, I knew you were like that. And Jonah's, Jonah like didn't want the Ninevites to experience that graciousness of God. Nehemiah 9.17, and then we see in the New Testament, we see Jesus come onto the scene, and he embodies, he shows us what the Father's like perfectly. He was full of grace and truth. And it says in, in, in John 1.17 and, and 8, it says, For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side, has made he has made him known Jesus has revealed the father he embodied one who was full of grace and truth god took on flesh and lived amongst amongst us and he displayed his grace and his truth notice these other statements about god as well he works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed god is a just god he's a good god a merciful god but he's also a just god and when he sees people being mistreated he takes action that's what he did with the israelites they were in slavery to egypt and God steps in, he saw their, their affliction, he heard their cry, and he knew, and he did something about it. And he stepped in, and he's righteous, he's just, he's righteous, he's merciful, he's gracious, he's slow to anger. I remember when I was trying to explain these attributes to, to my son, and I was telling him the story of the Israelites and, and how God actually got angry with them at times. And my, it was kind of a surprise to my son. I think he was six year old, six years old at the time. And he was like, he was like, what? God got angry? Because in his mind, he was thinking, well, you know, if you get angry, that's, that's sin. That's wrong, right? All anger is wrong. Well, 
And I said, well, <clears throat> I quoted the song that we sang today. I started singing. I said, well, he's rich and love and he's slow to anger. His name is great and your heart is kind. And it, it clicked for him. It made sense to him. He knew that song. All right. And so that kind of stuck with him. But that truth about God that he's slow to anger. Yeah, he does get angry, but he's slow to anger. He's gracious and compassionate. He's not like a a cosmic cop who's waiting to pull you over and take you to jail as soon as you go past the speed limit. That, so, so some of us may have this, whether consciously or subconsciously, we may have this view of God that he's just waiting to pounce on us, that he's waiting, to, that he's upset with us and he's angry with us and he's just waiting till we make a mistake so he can take us out, right? And that's not the God of the Bible. That's not his heart. He's gracious and compassionate. And it's my desire this morning that we get a clear view of who he is. High resolution, high resolution view. Okay. Not taken from an old phone camera that has low foggy resolution. If you guys have seen those old pictures from those older cameras and the pixels and the resolution is terrible. It's like, what is that? Who is that? Right? You're looking at the picture and it's hard to make out even what, it, what what's in the picture. We need like the new iPhone or, or the Android's uh, high resolution, not Android, not Android. Okay. High resolution picture of who God is so we can see him clearly and then respond to him appropriately in worship and adoration. Because when we get a clear view of who God is, it will set our hearts on fire. It'll be fuel to our heart and soul to worship him in spirit and truth like it was for David. When he saw glimpses of who God is, he responded. He says, bless the Lord, oh my soul. And I love how it expands because he doesn't just tell himself that, but he tells the angels that. And he tells all of creation, bless the Lord. He wants everybody to get a glimpse of who he is and respond to who he is in worship. And we need that today. Some of us have a a foggy windshield spiritually and you need some new windshield wipers and you need to, to get the windshield clear so you can see clearly who God is and that you and you can walk in the freedom and the liberty of the as a child of God that he wants you to walk in. Notice how David describes God's goodness and his mercy and his grace towards towards us and him. He says, as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. Those are immeasurable distances. Does anybody want to go try and measure the east to the west? All right. No, no, because you'll be you'll be going on forever doing that. Do we want to try to measure the as how high the heavens are above the earth? They're 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 immeasurable. God's love and grace and mercy towards us is so deep, so deep that the apostle Paul made it a prayer for the Ephesian church in Ephesians three that by the Spirit of God they would know the depth and the width. And the height of God's love that surpasses knowledge, that passes knowledge. Paul knew that getting this 
revelation of God's love, God's heart for us is a struggle. And he made it a prayer for the church to get it. I mean, I can tell you God loves you. Jesus loves you a thousand times. But, but unless you, unless you remove that distorted view that you have of God and you see him as the Bible reveals him to be, you're going to have a hard time receiving that. Maybe it's easy for some of us. Maybe it's easy to, to, to acknowledge. Yeah, God loves these people, these other people around me, but me, that's different. All right. And God wants to break down those barriers that we have in our hearts, in our minds. And he wants us to experience the love of God. And it will bring healing to your soul. I've wept around this particular issue several times. I've I've shared before, one time I was doing a fast. I was fasting. And I I only made it to four. It was a 10-day fast. And I only made it to the fourth day. And I ate a bag of Cheetos. And there was a corporate worship night every night at the church I was participating this in this fast with. And I just felt so unworthy. Like God was like so disappointed in me. Like you ate those Cheetos. You shouldn't even go to the service. You shouldn't be here. And so I, I remember walking in like and I just felt condemned, insecure, ashamed, unworthy because I ate a bag of Cheetos on the fourth day of my fast. In that moment, I remember longing for my earthly father to be there and just give me a hug and tell me that he loves me. And in that moment, when I had that longing or I had that thought, I felt the embrace of God and it just brought me to tears. And I was just reminded how I am loved and accepted by God, not because of what I do. He's made me his very own child and he loves me regardless. And his disposition towards you and I is not one of looking down, pointing the finger. He, it's one of grace. It's one of kindness and patience. He's slow to anger. And dads, if you're, if you like me struggle with anger from time to time, it would be good to behold God as a father who's slow to anger, who's patient and gracious and kind. And as you see him, you will be changed to become more and more like him. Jesus said in John 17, 26, he said, Father, I have declared your name to them, speaking, praying to the father about the disciples that he was, the 12 that he was investing in. And he says, Father, I have declared your name to them and I will declare it so that the love which you loved me with would be in them. Right. And so as we get a glimpse of our good, good father, we begin to take on the characteristics of our good, good father. Notice also that David describes God's mercy and grace through the intimacy of a family. As a father has compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. I'm reminded just a couple of weeks ago, one of the dads here, we were hanging out with the family here and one of the kids stepped in ashes that had a fire still smoldering in it. And I just saw this dad just love, embrace and act and take, take action and just respond with compassion to his son. And we have some awesome dads here, by the way, at City Church. I love to see the dads in action here, the love and the grace that I see displayed through through the dads here. But David compares the heavenly father to an earthly father 
as a, as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are just dust. God knows us better than we know ourselves. He knows our weakness and our brokenness. He knows every sinful, foul, broken thing about us better than anybody else. And yet he loves us more than anybody else. He knows us more accurately and intimately than anyone else. And yet he loves us more than anyone else. And so notice the, the, the phrases there, those who fear him. Those who fear him is mentioned three times. Uh, one scholar says this, it says that it's a designation used in the Psalms along with the righteous, the faithful and servants of the Lord for those who seek to make the Lord the decisive orientating center of their lives, those who fear him. And so I want to ask you here today, have you entered into a covenant relationship with God the Father through his son, Jesus Christ? Have you received his forgiveness, his healing, redemption that comes through Jesus Christ and what he's done for you? And now you have reverence and awe for God. You respond in obedience to him. You're inclined to do his will. It's not no longer your will, but it's his will that you're living for. Have you surrendered your life to Jesus? Because when we do that, when we come to him and we put our faith in him, we experience the love of God. Romans 5, 5, it says that God pours out his love into our hearts. And so by way of application, I have... Four, four ways here to respond to the goodness and the mercy and the grace of God revealed. Recount ways that God has been good to you. Men, you all have a journal now. You can write it down. All right. Recount ways that God has been good to you. Don't forget the many ways that God has lavished his grace and goodness on your life. Just think through, as we were singing earlier today, all my life, all my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness of God. Reflect on the goodness of God and then reflect on God's character revealed in scripture. God has revealed his goodness through creation that he created that was good, right? He's revealed his goodness through the revelation of scripture. We have scripture that tells us what he's like. So we get a clear glimpse of who God is. Shows us his goodness through deliverance, through salvation, specific deliverance, times in your life. When you maybe were in a car wreck, my wife was in a car wreck last um, November, was hit sideways on the way to the church. I'm right here singing, great is your faithfulness of God, oh God, and boom, my wife with my four kids were hit, van flips over, nobody's hurt. I show up, George Diaz, Mr. Diaz follows me out, um, Kevin's brother, Kevin was was supposed to lined up to preach and then he had to lead worship that morning too and I bolted out the door and there wasn't a scratch on my family. They were protected. God was so merciful and so gracious and so kind to us in that moment. And even if they all would have went home to be with Jesus that day, I would still get up here and say, God is still merciful and gracious and good. 
And he's still faithful. But we see in many ways, we see God's goodness displayed through specific deliverance, through creation, through scripture itself, and ultimately through his son, Jesus Christ. And so respond. Let's respond to him with passionate praise and adoration on this Father's Day. Let's get a good glimpse of our good, good father, a clear vision and glimpse of who he is, high resolution snapshot. And respond with like, God, you're amazing. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound. May I never lose the wonder of your mercy, God. And lastly, let's repent. Repent of actions and character that doesn't reflect God. And allow the spirit to form godly character in your life. As we get a, as we get a look at who God is. We're confronted with where we, where we don't measure up, aren't we? We're confronted, we're convicted when we see perfection in our God. And let me just tell you this, there is mercy and grace available for you through Jesus Christ. And the only way that you're going to change, the only way you're going to experience forgiveness and freedom and transformation is by you coming to Jesus Christ and putting your faith in Him And allowing the Holy Spirit of God to do his work in your heart. The Bible says God makes us a new creation. And God is committed, more committed than we are. He's committed to conforming us and shaping us into the image of his son, Jesus Christ. He's committed to making us loving, gracious, kind, joyful, peaceful people. He's committed to that. And so let's respond. I asked Kevin to to lead us in a song here. And we're going to respond to who God is, singing of his mercy, singing of his grace. And if you're here today and you haven't yet received Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you haven't surrendered your life to him, and, and, and as I'm speaking, the Holy Spirit is working on your heart, and you're you're inclined today to make this the moment. To start following him. I'd like for you to raise your hand. Just be bold. If that's you. And you're inclined to say I want to follow Jesus. I haven't been. And I'm ready to start following Jesus today. And trust him as my Lord and Savior. I want to experience these benefits. I want to know him. The source of all these blessings. The source of all this goodness. So, or if you have, if you're here and you just want prayer for anything else, feel free to come on up. We'd love to pray for you.